Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of the Roka Report podcast review show in association with the Sunderland Community Soup Kitchen and today you join us after yet another excellent win for Sunderland. Once again we've won a game at the stage of my life. It's, it's never, I know I said a few weeks ago it might eventually get boring saying that but it, I don't think it will. Uh, joining me as always is my mate on the other side of the world, it's Martin Wanless. How's Martin? Champion, you can't be too bad when you top the league can you? Yeah, top the league and you're at the top of your house. Top of the league, top of the house. Not bad, not a bad day. <laughs> tired. I've been tired today, mind, after about two hours sleep after getting up to watch a game last night, but yeah. it's always worth it if we've got three points. That's it. I mean, it. Just think about all the times you had to get up in the middle of the night to watch us under Phil Parkinson. So, you know. <laughs> That's it, exactly. I'm not as grumpy. <laughs> and we're also joined by Mr. Match Preview, uh, interview extraordinaire. I could think of it, probably a few more nicknames, but you might might not like them. It's uh, Chris Wynn. There we go. I've uh, I've certainly been called worse, so I'll take those, mate. Mister Match Preview. That can be your title. It'd be a, probably be your nickname if you were a wrestler or something. Um, so lads, at Rington, <laughs> then we beat them two one. Uh, I listened to John Coleman, the Atrington manager's post match interview, where he talked about how he felt like they deserved something and that they dominated in the second half and. You know all this other guff that managers come up with when they get beat. But how did how do we feel, Chris? That Sunderland played because I, I think although all right, Atrington had their moments in the game. I do think still though we were the better team by far, and I think if we hadn't have won that game, I would have been absolutely gutted because we could have won by far more. Oh, I right, definitely, definitely, and um, it was funny because you, you mentioned that and um, uh, on the on the preview pod, Dan Jewell from BBC Lancashire, he was. Uh, he was talking about exactly that, John Coleman's um, managerial speak um, <laughs> that he comes out with, and uh, and he did. And I mean, but you'd expect that from Coleman, and 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 they had a couple of chances, so he's going to expand on that and turn a couple of chances and one cleared off the line into we should have won and we should have got all three points, uh, which is which is uh, fair enough. That's that's what managers do, but uh, but yeah, I mean, in terms of the match, I mean, we're, we finally beat Acton Stanley at home, which um, is a strange thing to, to say. I think it was it fifth. <laughs> Fifth time of asking, fourth time of asking, something like that. But we finally beat them at home. But yeah, so we got we got all three points. We deserved them. I mean, the the the, the class just showed we we were we were a level above Atkinson. You could tell when we had the ball. Um, but that doesn't. I mean, as as we've seen over the last couple of seasons. I mean, even under Parkinson, when we used to keep the ball forever and ever and ever and and, and get nowhere, 
you could tell we had better players. So it doesn't always translate into getting three points. Um, yeah. And and Acton Stanley came with a game plan, and uh, and and we we did the business and we got three points. And um, it's just nice to see us digging in because the the last you know two or three minutes of injury time, you know, in previous years it could have easily ended up two each. Yeah, it's interesting that you say that about the way we've sort of transitioned our play because if the stats after the game or anything to go by, it's, it's reflected in that. Obviously, under Parkinson, we used to dominate games possession wise. And teams used to know what we were going to do and they used to just sit back and wait for us to leave an opening. Whereas I think if you look at the sort of possession statistics across the season so far, they're pretty consistent. Like yesterday, Accrington actually had more of the ball. And I think that's important to the way that we play at the minute because, you know, unless you're a top, top team, you're not going to dominate the ball and mall teams. It's just difficult to do. You need to allow the opposition to have the ball so that you can then break, you can break their press, you can counter-attack, you can use your pace and at the minute we've got players in our team who can pass a ball well forwards and you're only able to do that if you allow that other team to come at you a little bit and like I say, we had less of the ball apparently, which I think isn't such a bad thing. If you're going if, if to make the most of the, the players we've got, we've got a good striker up front who leads the line well, likes to get in behind and hold it up. We've got now we've got central players in Embleton and Neil in particular who are really good at passing the ball forwards on the floor in behind every every sort of way of passing the ball. Those two lads are, are pretty capable, um, and then we have good width. You know, I know the wide players haven't. There's not been such a reliance on them this season to to contribute, but um, the, the way they're able to be most effective and the fullbacks really is is when we haven't got you know a bank of two fives to. To run it, we're actually playing against teams who we're, we're allowing to play a little bit and it's working. Um, Martin, I'll bring you in on that. And so Sunderland yesterday obviously allowed quite a lot of the ball to Accrington and they did have their chances, like Chris touched on. I mean, the one off the line, which certainly cleared, was brilliant. But I don't think anybody watching that could really dispute that we were the better team and we deserved all three points. I, I don't see it as clear cut as you, you two do, I don't think. I think um, I wouldn't have been surprised if Accrington got an equaliser. I think on the balance of play, you could have, you, you know, you wouldn't have been um, that surprised if they had. The, you know, there was a lot of the, the game seemed to really ebb and flow, didn't it? Like we had a really strong um, period of play. Then they it kind of went in, like from back and forth, didn't it? They had a really strong possession um, period of play, and I, there was points in that game where I was just dying for us to really get hold of it in the centre midfield and dominate, the, get control of the game a bit more. But I think it seems to be, you know, the, the plan of the season, as you said, like to. To almost like just slug it out with whoever's in front of us. Let's just go punch for punch. We'll go forward and we'll leave some gaps and we'll you know concede some possession and try to catch you on the break. Invite you to to come on to us. And you know we've we've seen for the past few seasons when teams have come to the stadium, like as you say, we've had possession and they've defended and we haven't been able to break them down. And obviously the the way to counter that is to invite possession so you can spring them. And we've got those players mm. up front and the pace on the side now to actually to, to take a little bit of advantage of that. So I, I, it's one of those games I wouldn't have been surprised if it was, you know, if you watch that game without seeing the, the, the chances or the goal mouth action, you wouldn't have been surprised that it was 4-1 to us, 2-2. They sneaked a, a 2-1. It was that sort of game where it could have kind of gone either way, but I just think our quality showed 
in the end. And like to be fair to to us, like the closest they got to the, obviously the goal at the scores, that was a set piece. You know, so from open play, we didn't actually give them a great deal of, of chances. We had far better chances within within the open play. But in that first half, we gave away so many daft bloody free kicks yeah. that we, we looked under pressure every time they put a ball into the box. Yeah, so, sorry to put in, mate, but I, I was just talking before the game with the lads I was with, and when I saw Accrington run out of the tunnel, nearly every single player was over six foot two. They were massive. And I said, we're going to have to watch ourselves on set pieces today because... You just saw the way they came out. They were a bunch of big lads, and I think it was inevitable that they were going to get some chances from them. And to be fair to them, Martin, like that's that's where the majority of their best chances came from, from daft free kicks and stuff. Like Lee Johnson in his post-match interview um, spoke about how you know he, he said I was a bit disappointed with how many silly free kicks we gave away around the box because I'm guessing going into the game we we knew there would be a threat from set pieces, and the one that they got. Um, was I mean I, I know you could probably pick out little things, but I think it was a good header. It was well placed in the top corner, and it was a bit disappointing, really, that we we didn't sort of guard ourselves against giving that chance away in the first place, wasn't it? Oh, well, that that came from a daft free kick we'd given away on the on our right hand side there, left, didn't it? Yeah, and that that free kick came over. They had a, a little bit of play, and the cross came out, and they got a corner from it. So. It all stemmed from that, but it was really noticeable in the second half. I don't think we gave away much at all. You know, we, we gave away so many in the first half, but in the second half, we were a lot more disciplined in, in the way that we were closing them down and, and you know, keeping our shape and not diving in and giving away silly silly free kicks. And you know, that's a really important thing that that team learns because, you know, we've got a lot of inexperience, certainly at the back, and we, we just need to be a little bit more canny in, in terms of how we're closing down and trying to win the ball back. Yeah, and I just want to, and just to make a point, I mean, just to build off what you were saying, Martin, in terms of the the, the kind of um, the, the type of game it was. I think, I mean, if you look at um, even like our away game at Burton, we probably played more possession football away from home against Burton than we did at home against Accrington yesterday. Um, and some of that, I I think it it looked like um, just because of the amount of times we tried it, it looked like we tried to hit them on the break. And catch and get Stewart in behind, because mm. the amount of times we played a, a ball which was cut out at the last minute, and you thought, oh, yeah. if that had just gone over the defender, Stewart would have been in. Because if you look at the way they played, I mean, again, Dan Jill during the week kind of described it. They almost um, it's like a Chris Wilder type type tactics where they had uh, Sharon and Sykes centre offs trying to get forward almost down the flanks, which leaves Nottingham in the middle on his own. Um, to kind of almost take advantage of. And it looked like we changed our tactics a little bit to rather than let's, you know, keep the ball lads were better than them to, right, okay, this is a potential weakness, knocking him at the back on his own, you know, get Ross Stewart one-on-one with him, get the ball forward quickly. And uh, it just seemed like the amount of times we did that. And that, I think that had an impact on, like you said, Gav, I can have a little bit more um, possession than us. But, yeah. um, but, but I just think as well that I think it's, it's encouraging that yeah, we beat Accrington. There were spells of the game where we where we looked, you know, a, a class above when we kept the ball. But um, I just think we've got a different gear to go into as well. Yeah, I was I was watching a couple of because I like to do this after games. Just dot onto YouTube and watch a couple of the vlogs to see mainly when we're um, when we're playing at home because I like to see what the fans are record like what it looks like from the away end when we score goals and the sort of reaction. 
and I and I managed to find a couple of Accrington fans that had vlogged the game, and it was interesting listening to them talk about the three at the back. They they both the ones I watched said three at the back doesn't work. It doesn't work, you know. And <laughs> we we really looked to open them up down the sides because of that because they had three big lads playing in the back three, and I don't think they were particularly mobile. Strangely. I was um I, I've never heard of Nottingham the lad who scored the goal, but he looks impressive, like he's a big, big lad, and he scored a good header. So I looked him up after the game, um, and he's had a pretty nondescript career to be honest. Like I think he's just knocked about the lower leagues and stuff. I haven't heard of him, but I thought he actually did quite well. But he's thirty two, and I thought, oh, I thought I was wondering if he was like a young lad or something that that they were maybe bringing through, um. But I thought he did okay in the in the main. I think the the problem is is that the two centre halves either side of him didn't look very comfortable with Ross Stewart running in those channels. He, I was going to come on to him a bit later, but we'll talk about him because, I mean, uh, well, yeah, he should have scored. he done really, really well to get to the opportunity to, to get a shot away and couldn't get round the goalkeeper. That aside, though, he was just outstanding. Like, again, so I, I listened to quite a lot of the comments after the game on, on various YouTube channels, Twitter, etc., and pretty much everyone was in agreement, Martin, that... Ross Stewart was outstanding yet again. He he just seems to be improving with every game. Even when he doesn't score goals, he's he's so effective, isn't he? Well, his all round play is superb, isn't he? We've got a really reliable outlet for for the sort of defense um, balls from defense from the balls from the fullbacks. Yeah. And Stewart was keeping them and keeping the ball, keeping possession, waiting for the team to to come up and join them, wasn't he? And yeah. you know, as we've said, I think we should scrap all um, comparisons with Charlie Wyke and all that sort of stuff. Having said that, it's nice to watch a team where that that happens because last season the ball was bouncing off a lot and we weren't getting an out and the ball was you know you know fifty times out of hundred the ball was going to their centre half or their fullback and we weren't getting an out. But Ross Stewart keeps the ball so so neatly, got such a lovely touch, and he, he's smart with it. He's got real yeah. intelligence to his to his playing to his running. And like that chance he has, I think it's not actually a, a bad miss from Stewart. It's really good goalkeeping. Like the keeper comes out and he he really does well to get the ball from Stewart. And I think you know if if the keeper's been watching Stewart's um, goals so far this season, he, he's seen some really nice quick finishes. And I think yeah. probably in Stewart's mind, he's thinking, "I've tried, I've done that, I've been successful with that. People will be latching onto it. I'm going to try to take it around him and and deceive him." And I, I think the keeper did remarkably well to get. To get yeah. anything on that, so um, hope you know. But we we need obviously we, we need him to be sticking those way more often than not. But he, as you say, he's improving game after game. And I think if he gets that chance in five or ten games' time, he sticks it in. Yeah, yeah we've talked about missed chances. We've talked about um, the the goal from Appleton. We haven't even mentioned our two goals, so let's talk about that then. <laughs> the first one, Chris, uh, Dan Neil. I, I, I said to my brother-in-law stood next to us, I said, you know, as soon as he made that really good first touch to settle the ball, I just knew he was going to score. Like, in my head, I was like, this is in. I mean, I've got that much belief in the lad. He's unbelievable, isn't he? Like, I, 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 I'm starting to run out of, like, words to say about Daniel because he's just... He done, a, he done an interview after the game with Nick Barnes, which people can hear on BBC Newcastle's podcast. And... First and foremost, it was just so refreshing to hear a footballer talk like a normal person in an interview. Like he, he, he just sounds like a normal lad. He, he, he's telling Nick Barnes exactly what he'd tell me or you in the pub. Like it's, it's not no media training going on there. Just a really normal, down to earth kid. 
Um, and he, he he talked about he talked about how like he's waited his whole life just for this opportunity to to come, and he was absolutely buzzing that he'd scored. But the quality he showed was was outstanding, wasn't it? I mean, to to hit a ball as sweetly as that with his left foot with a crowd of players in front of him, um, I, I think I think it just shows how good he is. To be honest, I mean everything about him at the minute, like like you've just you've just described a couple of things there, but <laughs> but everything's just screaming confidence. Yeah, the goal, the first touch, the 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 interview. I mean, even the interview because I watched it as well and. He wasn't standing there, kind of, you know, head down and you know, shy and all this sort of stuff. He just, he just spoke, and he's just, he's just got confidence, and he, he and he actually, he described his goal as a swinger, which <laughs> is is unbelievable, you know, with because it, because to hit it from there with his what, what, well, he'll probably describe it as his as his weak foot, but it didn't look like it. He actually did call it his weaker left foot on the yeah. on the BBC Newcastle but, interview, yeah, yeah. Well, he actually said it was a swinger. <laughs> um, and to do that, to do that in the near post, um, and but like I said, just to do it in the first place, it just screams confidence that he, he's knocked it onto his, he's actually dragged it onto his left foot. And the thing that impressed me the most was that there was there was virtually with his weaker foot, there was virtually no backlift whatsoever. He was yeah. almost standing over the ball, and he still got that much power to to accurately put it into the near post. And and their keeper, like like Martin described, their keeper looked looked like he's. Uh, He's uh, he's quite good, and and you know the again the Dan Jill during the week said he's been uh, he's been flying for for Accrington. So I mean, like I said, everything everything's just screaming confidence, and and that goes throughout the whole team. I mean, you, you go you go man for man, and it's just everything. Every player just looks like that he's puffing his chest out at the minute. Yeah. And uh, and and actually, just quickly on on Ross Stewart. I mean, talking about confidence, the the beauty of having Ross Stewart at the minute. And again, I'm a bit like Martin. I was I was thinking exactly the same line. I don't want to do comparisons. And I'm trying best not to. But the, the the beauty of having Ross Stewart at the minute is having a striker up front who we're talking about, and he hasn't scored, but we're talking about being one of the best players on the pitch. Yeah. yeah. And because he, he's he's got involved and he's done the, you know, he's made the runs and we've scored two goals, and you know. <laughs> and we've played well because Ross Stewart stretched the game and he's done things off the ball, and yeah. it's just uh, it's just makes such a difference. Yeah, the second goal Martin came from Carl Winchester, who I mean we've spoke nearly every I think it feels like nearly every podcast recently we've devoted a little section of it to Carl Winchester and just how great he's doing at right back. Yet again yesterday he was brilliant. I mean to, he was whipping out the three sixty turns on the ball the the Cruyff. The the uh, the little chops inside and stuff. He, I mean, so confident, like like Chris says, confident in his ability that he's able to do stuff like that. But on the other the other side of it is, he's arriving late in the box and sort of finishing finishing off. I mean, great great finish, wasn't it? It was a lovely team goal as well. The build up was was excellent. It was a it was a really nice goal, and I think Embleton did an awful lot of good work just to retain possession in the in the lead up to it, and um, you know. Wait for the right pass, which he he found to McGeady, who put a lovely ball through to to Winchester to to slot it home really nicely, didn't he? Yeah. I think having Winchester there at right back, he, you know, he came really close in the first half as well with a a left footer, didn't he? That just whistled past the the top corner, which I um, I thought was was going to fly in, and I I just think Winchester's our right back now. I think there's there's absolutely no way in the world he's going to get moved from that position unless we have a position in centre midfield that 
that forces the issue, you know? Yeah. I just yeah. think, you, why, why on earth would you change it? He's, he's playing out of his skin. He's getting up and down the, that, that wing. And he's he's got the goal threat. And I think that's a massive difference between our team this season compared to last season. You look at Dan Neal scoring. You look at Winchester scoring. You look at the, the front four, if you like, with Ross Stewart and three behind. They've all got goals in them. They've all got potential to get, you know, near double figures, over double figures. And that's a marked change from last season when I think it was Grant Ledbetter our second top scorer with, with five or something. So, you know, we've, <laughs> we've got a whole different way of playing and a whole different threat. And it's, it's interesting when you kind of look at, um, you know, that front three, because I think the positions that are really up for grabs at the minute are in that, you know, that three behind Ross Stewart. You know, we've got so much competition there. And, um, you know, if you're going to, Pick um, fault performance yesterday. I think Gooch wasn't great. Um, yeah. Did some good things, but he, he kind of wasn't really at the races. And it was interesting that he played on the left, wasn't it? I was wondering yeah, whether that was, was a, a tactical thing from an offensive point of view, or to give Sirkin some defensive cover. You know, I was gonna, I was gonna touch on that next one. We might as well talk about it. Yeah, the, the that was a bit of a strange one. Gooch stayed primarily on the left. McGeady played on the right, and yeah, I wonder if that's just because. We're sort of unbalanced defensively with McGeady on that side because you've got McGeady playing in front of a rookie and then you've got Gooch, who's very, very um, disciplined defensively, playing in front of a disciplined right-back. And I wonder if maybe that was the reason for the switch, that they've sort of put McGeady over on the right because they know Winchester primarily is going to defend and they've moved Gooch over on the left just to give Sirkin that little bit more cover that he probably needed when he played there against Wickham. Um yeah, I, I, let's talk about that then, Martin. So, is that something we should push on with going forward? Do you think? Because, like you say, Gooch wasn't um, Gooch wasn't at his best again, and we can sit all day talking about you know him and his potential pitfalls and all the rest of it. But I think I think the one thing he does give us is defensive cover, and maybe that's something that's at the back of Lee Johnson's mind with introducing Circan into the fold. It was interesting, wasn't it? Because, you know, I would actually kind of say it makes more logical sense the other way with, with Winchester getting forward a lot, having a more disciplined player like Gooch in front of him as opposed to in front of Serkin, who's probably more naturally defensive. But I think mm-hmm. like we we actually probably saw McGeady's best game of the season yesterday. I thought he, he did well when he actually had the ball. And I think the big difference is that we're not giving him the ball every single time we attack, which has yeah. been our... So modus operandi for the last two or three seasons, hasn't it? Where you know, give it to McGeady, yeah. let him try something. So you know, people say McGeady's had a quiet start to the season, but I think it's by virtue of the fact we're not giving him the ball all the time. So it's yeah. it's going to be interesting to see because like we've got such good options. Like Broadhead's got to come into the picture soon. Pritchard's got to get a start soon. We've got Dejaku, who's um, I think Lee Johnson said he was kind of in the middle of a, a two-week mini preseason, which is why he wasn't yeah, on the bench did, yesterday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's obviously going to come into the into the first team picture really strongly, you know, pretty soon, isn't he? So it's going to be really interesting to see how how that develops, and you know, it's it's going to be great for for us because we've got such strong competition that yeah. you know, a six out of ten performance isn't going to be good enough to keep you placed in the team the next week. Yeah, and just just to quickly come in on that that McGeady Gooch thing, it's all speculating. I mean, Gav, you could be bang on with the the defensive side of it, but. I'm just thinking more again, talking about the the difference in the way we play this season. It's there's not so much emphasis on you know the the, the wide players getting to the byline and and getting the ball in. 
And if you, if you looked yesterday, there was a there was a time when I think McGeady got the ball and he, he kind of he almost beat the man and then looked up and there was nobody in the middle because Ross Stewart had dropped off and there was actually nobody in the box. So I think if you've got if you've got McGeady and Gooch who were on a side where they naturally might come inside and bring other players into the game, like you said, Martin, you know, that three behind Ross Stewart, if Ross Stewart drops off, then it's kind of those three forward players who were the most advanced players if Ross Stewart brings them in and then he's kind of almost behind the play. So if those if those naturally want to come inside rather than get to the byline, it, it kind of it, it brings those players into play. So we're not kind of looking to to get the ball into the box for well, again, talking about the big man, getting the ball into the box for the big man again. Um it's not something we're trying to do. So maybe he's trying to he's trying to do that and get them to come, you know, back into play. You know, like I said, Dan Neal got the ball in the edge of the box. Um, or nine likes a run forward, so maybe that's part of it. But uh, maybe I'm talking rubbish. I don't know. <laughs> Probably talking rubbish. Yeah. Um, that's the one. <laughs> we'll we'll talk about since we're on the subject of tactics and stuff. The decision that Lee Johnson tends to make, and this is, a lot of people have been talking about this after the game. Um, the decision to bring Bailey right on for the last fifteen or so minutes and go five at the back. Um, I listened again, I'm talking a lot about other people's interviews, but I listened to him talk to, to Nick Barnes after the game and Barnes, he made a bit of a joke about it. He said, is Bailey Wright got a clause in his contract, which means he has to come on for the last 15 minutes of every game. Appearance bonus. <laughs> he explained it away by saying Bailey Wright's leadership and organisational skills at that stage in a game are really, really important. And we were talking about this at the match yesterday. I said, on one hand... Um, on one hand, it appears to be quite a negative approach because all it what it tells Zacharyton is like, well, Sunderland have went five at the back, so let's let's get at them. And that, John, this is something John Coleman mentioned after the game. He said, you know, if you'd told me when we were playing against all these little clubs, whatever many years ago in the in non-league, we'd be here at, in front of thirty thousand pinning Sunderland back and they're bringing on defenders to try and stop us from getting in. Um, I would I would have laughed you off. Uh, that 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 I don't think that's specific to Accrington because Johnson's done this quite a bit this season, where he's brought Bailey right on later in the game to try and shore things up. Uh, but yeah, Johnson explained it away as being more sort of a an organisational thing. And like I said, on one hand, it could be seen as negative. On the other hand, you've got to say, well, it's worked to this point. We haven't conceded a goal late in the game. We've won the games where he's done this. But eventually, it could come and bite him on the arse. If it, you know, there'll be that one occasion where he does it, and we concede, and it and it costs us two points, and everybody will be pointing the finger and going, you know, he shouldn't have done that. What? How do you feel about it, Chris? The fact that he does this, because I, I mean, the naturally that inbuilt cynicism just expects it to concede when you see that happening. <laughs> but it does. It does yeah. seem to be working. To be fair. Well, yeah, but it's it's worked in different ways, and I, I don't think it's necessarily the substitution. Because if if you look back through the games, there's been times where he's made that substitution, but we've and and I'm going to use use the the managerial term, um, we we've done better at the game management side in the yeah. last ten fifteen minutes. Whereas I think you know I think in other games we've we've brought Bailey right on, but we've kept hold of the ball, and we've we haven't let the other side kind of you know put pin us back in the last ten minutes. And and yesterday was one of those occasions. You know, Bailey Wright came on with you know well five minutes of normal time, but they ended up being what six six minutes of injury time. So it was ten minutes last ten minutes he was on for in the end. Uh, but but the problem was we we didn't keep the ball, 
we didn't keep possession. We allowed ourselves to be pinned in. We allowed ourselves to let Accrington, you know, sit in, on the edge of uh, the halfway line. And and we, instead of, you know, calming things down and keeping the ball for a bit, we, we kept on trying to say, OK, well, it's the last few minutes. They're pushing forward. We'll try and catch them on the break. And the ball just kept coming back. And then we got pinned in. So I, I think rather than the substitution, I th- I'm, I'm certain that, you know, when, when Lee Johnson and his team analysed this game, one of the areas they're going to be looking at is the, is the, is the game management side and saying, look, you know, we can't, and, and exactly what you said, Gav, we can't let ourselves be pinned in in the, in the last, you know, 10 minutes of a game when we're only winning by, we're only winning by one goal. And like I said, I, I'm not sure it's complete. Don't get us wrong. I think it's got something to do with the substitution, but I don't think it's a hundred percent because he makes a substitution. I think some of it's a kind of a, a mentality thing in, in the kind of uh, in the closeout of a game. Yeah. Um, the other thing I want to touch on briefly, and I'll come to you, Martin, is a, the performance of the new goalkeeper, Thorben Hoffman. He came in for his debut. Um, I've seen some mixed sort of comments on how he did. And I think everybody who's commented on it, you know, there's justification behind all of it, really. I think he he did look a little bit shaky at times. He did seemed to struggle, particularly in the first 20 minutes or so, just with the pace of what was going on. But later in the game, there was a few moments where he made some real big pressure-relieving catches, dropped to his knees and held the ball. Some of his distribution was very good. Sort of a mixed performance, wasn't it? On one hand, yeah, you, you would say yes, um, shaky at times, but on the other, he did do some good stuff as well. He was he was a bit nervy, wasn't he? I think um, yeah. you know, coming over to a... A new country making your debut in front of thirty thousand people. How old? How old is he? 20, 21? 20, 22, isn't he? Yeah. So, um, but you know, he, he, it's a big day for him, isn't he? And I think he he looks the type of character who wants to go and make an impression. He wants to force his personality on on the team and on the game and on the crowd and all that sort of stuff. And you know, there was a few shaky moments, but this this might sound up, but he, he looks like a really good goalkeeper in terms of his handling. I thought his handling was was great on on occasions. Even when he's sort of springing across the goal to go after shots that were going wide, he was getting across to them and he looked really athletic. When he gets the ball, you know, he's run to the edge of the box looking for a, an outlet. His throwing was really good. His passing was good. And I think he looks like he's got like a lot of attributes that he want in a really successful yeah. goalkeeper. Like that, mm-hmm. that cross he came and got in the dying stages was, was superb. Um, so I think he's, he's one... Look, we're going to have to stick with either Hoffman or Patterson for 20, 25 games and give them a, a good run inside because we can't be doing the Simon Grayson thing of rotating goalkeepers every game. So no. we, we we need to stick with somebody. And obviously, it's going to be Hoffman by the, by the looks of it. And I just yeah. think, you know, he, he needs a good run of 10 games to settle into the team. Yeah, Alexander Supertramp on Twitter has said, Chris, too, ju- uh, too soon to judge Hoffman. He looked shaky at times. <laughs> it's the only real critique I took from the game. No, I, I, I think I think he looks he, he, like I'm, I'm completely in agreement with Martin. I think he, I think he looks good. Um, you know, he's and like I said, it was it was just his first day, first day at the office. I think he was he really wanted to impress. But the thought that kept running through my mind during the game because he didn't, you know, he didn't look like he was going to make a mistake. He kind of just had these moments where I think he just thought I really want to impress, and he had a rush rush of blood then. But the thought that kept uh, coming through my mind was. Um, the, the the Polish keeper from 1973, and 
what was his name? Tomasowski. Tomasowski, I think it was Jan Tomasowski. Um, that that Clough had labelled a clown. Yeah, yeah Clough right. labelled him a clown before the game, and then he had an absolute blinder. Um, <laughs> but he was all over. He, he he saved everything, but he was absolutely all over the place, wasn't he? But uh, he just had that feel about him that I think you know. And I think you you called it, Gav. Uh, there was a cross late on where his handling looked absolutely spot on, and he looked really comfortable. And I, I just think he he was. Um, he was finding his feet, and I think he, he did a pass um, to Winchester where he left Winchester kind of short or in, in almost kind of gave possession away, and Winchester had to make a really good tackle to, to kind of yeah, win the ball yeah. back. Um, there was just little things like that, but um, I, I just think, uh, you know. There was that throw-in, <laughs> that Sirkin took in the first half, it was already slipped, and it looked as if yeah. Sirkin put a bit more in the throw-in, it would have gone into the... I forgot the about that. <laughs> yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, Jeez, there's... my heart was in my mouth there. Yeah, there was just minutes, but uh, you know, you know, you, you can't judge him off one game. But he he, he looked like uh, he can have a rush of blood to the head. But uh, maybe it was just his first game. But uh, he'll keep his place, I'm sure. I think I think you've got to persist with him. He's been brought here for a reason, and he's quite clearly quality, or he wouldn't have been at a club like Bayern Munich. Training every day with Manuel Neuer. I mean, I made that joke yesterday. <laughs> like, imagine going from training every day with Manuel Neuer to training every day with like Lee Burge. No disrespect to Lee Burge, but it's a bit of a difference in it. Um, <laughs> we'll quickly touch on, there's, there's, to be fair, there's loads we could talk about here and we, we're, we're running short on time, but the the other thing I want to talk about was Luke O'Neill's performance slash the way he dealt with the injury that he picked up early on, Chris, because he, um, he quite clearly done, I don't know whether he popped his shoulder again, but something went on with his shoulder early in the game. And he's, from where I was stood in the ground, and I might have been wrong, but it looked like he popped it back in himself and carried on, which um, shows the character of him, really. He's a bit mental, isn't he? But he, he loves playing. He'll, he'll carry on whether he's injured or not. Um, and then when you look at their goal, he was the one picking up the lad who scored. But his overall performance, actually, I thought he was really good. I thought Dan Neal, like in his interviews after the game, he brought up 0-9 a few times and talked about how 0-9 and... The way he plays, he does all the dirty work. It allows allows Dan Neal to do the more pretty stuff. And I think they've got a real good partnership building up there where you, you, you do sort of need that yin and yang, don't you? You need somebody alongside um, your playmaking players who can just break it up, win the second balls, win the headers. And I think 0-9 plays that role really well. Yeah, yeah. He, he's busy, isn't it? And and that's the point about 0-9. He's busy and Dan Neal kind of, does a more kind of he, he kind of sits and floats and doesn't necessarily kind of bite at players' legs and things like that. I mean, don't don't get us wrong. You know, Dan Neil put his foot in, but he's not. He doesn't do it in the same way as as Luke and I. Luke and I will hurry and chase and and be busy about it. But uh, but yeah, it's. It, I just don't really understand it, and I, you know, I'm not kind of you know in the know kind of medically enough, and I, I'm sure Martin will come in on it in a minute, because he's uh, he's got personal experience of it, but uh, <laughs> but I just don't really, I just don't really understand it, because it showed yesterday and, and, and their goal, you know, we went down when, when Nottingham scored, and he was marking Nottingham for, for some reason, which I know nine's good in the air, but he was about twice the size, um, but uh, but yeah, he, he kind of went down off the goal and I thought, well, did he have a part to play, you know, should he have kind of went off before then, and and then he always seemed to be holding it. And actually, I noticed after the game, one of the staff went up to him uh, to take his shirt off. Yeah, and yeah, he did. Yeah, you yeah, could yeah. see, Helping you off. could see all this, you could see all the strapping and everything he's got underneath. Um, and I'm, I'm just thinking at the minute that the lad's kind of risking his future. I mean, because I don't know about you know shoulders enough to know whether there's a point where 
you know, he does it enough or he does it badly enough where he could really screw up his career. And and the other aspect to it is, I mean, as you completely agree, Gav, he's really important, especially playing alongside Dan Neal at the minute in that role. But, you know, we've got Corey Evans to come back. And you mentioned earlier on that, yes, OK, Carl Winchester is playing, you know, out of his skin at fullback, playing absolutely fantastic. But he's another option with, with the confidence he's got at the minute to, to put into central midfield. And then we've got Huggins to come in a fullback. So it's not a position where all nine's limping on because, you know, like last season at centre-half where we haven't got anyone else, Luke, you, you're going to have to get in there and, you know, keep on going. You know, let, let's think about Luke O'Neill's long-term future. And, you know, we can't, because all of our hearts are in our mouths yesterday. Every time he went down, you thought, oh, it's his shoulder again. I think uh, I think there was kind of, what, there must have been about 10 messages on our on our kind of chat saying, oh, O'Neill's done his shoulder again. Oh, he's done it again. You know, 10 minutes later, oh, I think that's O'Neill's shoulder. <laughs> and if we're, if we're doing that, you know, what are the management team doing on the sidelines? They must yeah. be getting people to warm up every two minutes because O'Neill's gone down. So I, I I don't I'm again the medic I'm sure the medical staff will be on it but I'm I'm just kind of worried about them long term and I just kind of uh, want them to stay fit really. Yeah, the one I always think about is um, when I think it was under Roy Keane. I can remember Carlos Edwards going up for a header against um, West West Brom. I think it was, and he landed on his shoulder and it put him out for three months because he dislocated it and the, he had surgery on it. So you're looking at like a pretty long layoff if O9 does take that surgery. And like I say, I don't know enough about shoulders. Um, but I think I think the you know, it's one of those things where once you've done it, it keeps coming out and until you get surgery on it, um it'll keep happening. It'll keep happening, you can strap it up all you want, it's gonna keep happening. And whether whether that can be a long term issue, I don't know. I just think O9's character is even if the club handcuff him and drag him to a surgeon to get that sorted, he'll try and fight his way back to the academy of life for training, won't he? <laughs> he's a he's he's that type of character. I just think I think his legs would have to be hanging off for them to to keep him off the pitch. I just get my shoulder about twenty years ago playing football, and you can whack it in once because it's a ball and socket joint, right? So you, you, it goes in, and you whack it yeah. back in once. But the more you do it, the bigger that gap gets, so it, it comes out easy. And I got to say that I. I Whacked it back in. I went to, went to hospital and whacked it back in. It was bloody painful, like. And um, you know, about a month later, I was I was playing again, or two months later, I was playing again, which is what Luke O'Neill did last season, didn't he? He did it, and he came back. And you know, I'm 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 astounded it didn't come out last season when he was playing centre half because when you're going up in the air and you, your arms are getting knocked all the time, it's it's going to put pressure on that joint. So I reckon he must have thought, oh, that's all right. I don't need surgery. I've I've built the the, the muscles up around it to keep it keep it all secure. And it's come out obviously a few times this season, and you know from my ex, I, I end up having to have shoulder surgery on on mine because even when I was rolling over in my sleep, my shoulder would pop out, and you know, it only <laughs> took that sort of level of contact. So the, the more it goes on, the easier it comes out. And the trouble that we've got with O nine now is it's come out three or four times already this season. You're risking it going out, coming out in the first minute, thirtieth minute, and you, you're putting the sub on straight away. And I think for his long term, for our long term, we're actually better off going, you know, at some point, and it could be in January, it could be in December. Go, okay, have the operation now. Three months, you're going to be out and you come back f- for the run-in or whatever it is. But they're going to have to make that call sooner rather than later because otherwise we're, we're going to get caught out by it, I think. Mm. Mm. Um, player ratings on the site, Andy gave man the match to call Winchester. I think I'll just go around the table. Does anybody 
disagree with that? Is there anybody else you think, uh, Chris, that maybe should have picked up the Man the Match award from us? Because I think there was probably a handful of contenders there, wasn't there? Yeah, Winchester was one of the best on the pitch. That was obvious, and probably shout out uh, Dan Dan Neil and I think Ross Stewart might have um, edged it if he put that one away. So yeah, so yeah, I I, I think Dennis Serkin was brilliant. I don't think he was man the match, but um, we Solid, haven't really talked about him. I thought he was brilliant. I did. I just think I think considering how again nervy he looked against against Wickham at times, he looked really accomplished. I thought I thought he just defensively very solid. Um, he didn't have to be a real attacking outlet because we have so many quality attackers now. But there was a couple of occasions where he got in behind and put some really good balls in the box, and that block on the line, which I think if you know, I think the the Accrington manager said ninety five times out of a hundred, Colby Bishop scores that. Circuit heads it over the bar. He's just right place, right time. But it's great defensive work and it's great reading of the game. So I, yeah, I think I think I would like to give an honourable mention to him, an honourable mention to. To Luke O'Neill, just for carrying on and playing so well, an honourable mention to Callum Doyle. I thought he was really good again. I think I think he just so so confident on the ball. Uh, you're shaking your head though. You don't you don't agree? I thought he played well. I actually I actually think that was um a, a, well. I agree with you when he had the ball, um, but uh, you know at times. But uh, I thought that was one of his edgiest games for us. I thought he gave the ball away a couple of times, and he I think actually at at, at times. And I think maybe Lee Johnson has to have a little little word with him because he's so good. I think at times he thinks he can take the mick out of some of these League One strikers, <laughs> and he can keep the he can kind of you know nutmeg them on the edge of the box and take it round them mm. because he, he probably he probably can. He's that good. Yeah. But I think I think at times he got he got a bit cocky and he got a bit caught a couple of times. And I think you know maybe a couple of words just to keep his feet on the ground and say you know just make sure you focus and and do the right things at the right time. Do you think that's Doyle or do you think that's a team though? Like, do you think that's the instructions that were, they're being given? Because mm. I, I get the sense that Lee Johnson's going to, you know, keep the possession, do not give it away unless you absolutely have to. Do what you can. If you give it away, don't worry. There'll be other people to back you up and and get the ball back for you. Like, I actually think it's kind of a, a style of play rather than, rather than just Callum Doyle's youth or whatever it is. But I think there is an element of that, of course, but I can't well, talk, what... Talking about the... That the clearance off the line by Sergan was directly from Callum Doyle giving the ball away on on there on our right hand side, you know, yeah, yeah. near the byline, and he he yeah. gave the ball away, and that like you said, Gav, ninety five percent of the time that goes in, so he got away yeah. with a couple yesterday. So he, he, I don't know, yeah, he, he just needs he, to be careful. I think. I think yeah, it seems to be in his nature that, but he is seventeen year old. He's going to do daft stuff, yeah. and he and he's good enough though. He's yeah, that, but that's. I think that's why Man City have sent him to Sunderland, though, isn't it? Because <laughs> yeah. he can make his mistakes. Make the mistakes yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he's he's rubbing off on Tom Flanagan because he did a Cruyff turn on the edge of the box. To be fair, I was quite quite happy with Tom Flanagan again. I thought he was all right. Yeah. Um, I think going forward up the up the other end of the the pitch, Aidan McGeady, like I think Martin said, probably his best game of the season. Good little assist for the goal. Embleton, I mean, I read. I read the uh, the ratings on the Chronicles website, and he, I don't agree at all that he played poorly. I thought he actually had a good game. Um, was involved in that second goal and was was pretty effective. I thought um, Gooch, not yeah, just a typical Gooch performance this season. Really flattering to deceive. And like you said, Chris Ross Stewart, had he scored, probably would have won man the match. Um, so I think there's a real sort of. Uh, Somebody made this point yesterday. I read somewhere. It's 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 like when we're winning these games, it, 
we're not we're not looking and going. Charlie White's got all the goals. Aid McGeady's got all the assists, and that's pretty much it. It's like pretty much across the board, everyone was a sort of seven out of ten, eight out yeah. of ten with with a couple of them. Like, and that's what you want to see. We 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 bang this drum in the summer. Like, Sunderland have to become greater than the sum of their parts to be successful. You can't rely on one or two players to just pull you out the shit every week because when them one or two players have a bad day or they get injured or they get suspended, you're literally looking around to think, well, who the hell's who the hell's going to come in and make, and make a difference? I think Lee Johnson in his post match spoke about how on 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 Friday in training they had an eleven v eleven game where we literally named an eleven that is just as good. Pretty much, like he he read through them. You can probably run through them now. You've got like Burge or Patterson, the goalkeeper, Human at left back, Alves and Bailey right centre half, Huggins right back. Um, you know, you're looking up the up the other end of the pitch. You've got Broadhead, you've got Dejaku, you've got Ian O'Brien, Corey. I Evans. mean, Corey. Uh, sorry, yeah, Corey Evans. Um, I mean, we could we can name an entire other team now of players who. If you put them on the pitch in League One, would probably win games, and yeah. it's such a good place to be in, isn't it? That's worth mentioning. That Diaku not even been on the bench, you know, yeah. a guy who's you know been Bayern Munich, brought in from Union Berlin on loan, um, and he's well probably a fitness thing at the minute. But it, yeah, Lee John Lee Johnson actually talked about it after the game. He said that with the other lads, they've all sort of had a preseason. They've played games where Diaku hasn't, so he's being put through his paces in the next few weeks to get him up to speed. And I think Denver Hume's going through the same thing. Yeah. And but and the other, talking about the subs, just the interesting thing was uh, three defenders on the bench. Yeah, yeah. So overall, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I started off that little point about man the match, but yeah, I would probably agree with, with Andy. He gave it to Carl Winchester. What about you, Martin? I think, again, it's, it's a really good team performance and I think you can pick out any number of, of players who you, you could nominate as having a really you know, decisive part in, in the game but Winchester again was was great got the win goal wouldn't have mm. any arguments from me yeah well there's a million other things I've actually got written down I want to talk about and we've had loads of questions on Twitter but I think if we go on any longer it'll end up being a two two hour podcast so we'll uh, we'll we'll probably Do you want to talk about the referee quickly ah yeah the referee yeah talk... why not let's quickly touch on the ref <laughs> yeah. Mr Dropball well, you know somebody said these referees they come to Sunderland and it's like that big day out isn't it like the <laughs> Big crowd, let's strut me stuff a little bit. He was all over the place, the ref, wasn't he, Martin? He wasn't. I tell you what, for a, for a game that probably had one bad tackle in it, to get the seven or eight or nine bookings he ended up with, it's bloody ridiculous, wasn't it? <laughs> Aye. Yeah. It wasn't just that, 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 that drop ball where he said, go on, get a cross in, lad. Yeah. To their Aye, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you, you, either, you either do a drop ball to a team so they can give the ball back, or you do a competitive drop ball where both sides can win it. You can't just say there's the ball, you know. Uh, you know, almost get, it was because it was almost a free kick because he dropped I, the ball in a place where he could cross it in straight away. See, I, I think they've changed the rules on it because I, I had a look just before we came on just to see what the rule actually says, and it says like a drop ball is given if if it's if the game stopped, but it's not for a free kick or a throw in or a penalty or a corner or anything like that. And every time he, he stopped it, it was somebody got whacked in the face or. Something happened, didn't it? And the, the the possession gets awarded to the team who last kicked the ball before the referee stopped the play. And when the drop ball is given, it's given back to the team and they can do what they want with it, which seems mm. ludicrous to me. But reading the, mm. the rule, it seems if he kind of applied it correctly, but it was just, 
I've never seen as many drop balls in me in my life. Yeah. It it's um it's interesting that you you thought you would go and check the rule book, Martin, before we came on. That shows how much of a nerd you are. That Jesus. <laughs> Good on you. You've done the hard work for me. Uh, right. So yeah, yeah, we'll we'll end end things here. We've got a bunch of stuff coming up this week. Uh, hopefully, this will go out before the Sunderland Ladies Live podcast on Monday. We did the first one last week. It went really really well. A um, couple of the players got involved. Neve Heron actually jumped on for about fifteen. Minutes or so, which was brilliant. Um, so, if anybody wants to listen to the latest episode of that, it'll be live on Twitter from eight till nine. All you do is if you head to the Roker Report uh, Twitter page, right at the top, it'll have sort of like a little bubble where you can click on it and you can join in. You can listen. If you're a Sunderland Ladies fan, you can even join in. We invite people to just click request and and get involved. Um, I'm hoping to have another player on this week, which will be good. Talking about the the Crystal Palace game. Um, on top of that, we've got the Fleetwood preview coming through the week, which I imagine, Chris, you'll be doing that. So that'll be all good stuff. And we might even do another um, live Twitter space. We, me and Ant did one on Friday night where we just went over a bunch of things, lots of topics that we haven't even touched on today. Sort of think of it as a added bonus. Um, <laughs> other stuff we can discuss that don't get mentioned on the podcasts. These these Twitter spaces, by the way, for anyone who doesn't know what they are, they're... Um, they're, they're live they're not we don't record them they don't go out on the on the podcast feed so just make sure you're available when we when we do those obviously the one on a monday night's going to be eight till nine every week and uh will be specifically about the ladies team and if if it's something that you've never really thought about before the ladies team something you're not really thought ever thought you'd be interested in or something that maybe interests you but you don't know enough about it then i would advise people get involved because we have we have genuine experts on the topic um, talking about the the team, we have fans who never miss a game. We have players on, so uh, yeah, get yourself involved with that. And like I say, we'll be rocking and rolling later in the week towards Fleetwood. Obviously, catch up with everything on the Rotor Report website. Loads going on over there every day, as you know. And we'll catch you all later. So cheers. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.